Thank you, Doug. Good morning. It is good to be here with you this morning. Uh, good to have an opportunity to speak with you. I am honored uh, to be able to and excited to be able to share with you about the ministry of Camp Northward. But more importantly, uh, just really looking forward to sharing the Word of God with you as well. Here at Plum Creek, our mission statement is leading people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we are about. Now, this mission statement is based on uh, the words of Jesus that we find in Matthew chapter 28. And these words come from Jesus as he has already died and been buried and, and been raised from the dead. And he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, Camp Northward also has a mission statement, and it is also based on these words of Jesus. Now, it sounds a little bit different than what we have here at Plum Creek, but I assure you the goal is the same. Camp Northward's mission is to encourage, strengthen, and equip individuals for personal growth and a relationship with Jesus Christ. Camp Northward is Christ-centered and camper-focused. Everything that we do is designed to help campers and encourage them to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We give them opportunities to strengthen their relationship with Him. And then we work with them and, and try to equip them to help them go and introduce others to Jesus Christ and help others have a relationship with Him. And so in other words, we are making disciples who then go and make more disciples, just like Christ commanded us to do. Through the ministry of Christian camping, Camp Northward is making a positive impact on the lives of youth, and we are making an impact for the kingdom of God. We are making a kingdom impact. Now, if you're not quite sure what I mean by kingdom of God, if you're not quite fully understanding of that phrase, that's okay. If you haven't heard yet, next year our theme here at Plum Creek in 2022 is Your Kingdom Come. And this comes from a teaching that Jesus gives on how to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, Jesus says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So next Sunday, Doug is going to begin a new series entitled Kingdom 101. And he is going to be helping us to answer the question, what is the kingdom of God? So again, if you're unfamiliar with that phrase, not fully sure what we mean by that, that's okay. Come back next Sunday. Doug's going to help us to begin understanding what that means. 
But for right now, what I want you to focus on is the fact that everything we do at Camp Northward is designed to help people take the next step in their relationship with Jesus Christ. We encourage, we strengthen, we equip. Now, we do this in lots of different ways, but this morning I want to focus on one way that I think is not only essential for us at Camp Northward, but it's essential for all of us as Christians. It is essential for our homes, it's essential for our communities, for our churches. It's going to be essential for generations to come. It will be essential until Christ returns. And what I'm talking about comes from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And if you want to turn with me there in your Bibles, you can do that. It'll also be on the screen behind me. But Romans chapter 12, verse 2, here's what it says. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So here's what Paul is saying in this verse. He's saying, do not allow yourselves to be molded and shaped by the world around you, by the pressures, by the influences that you have all around you. He says, rather, make sure that you are being transformed, being made into something new, being something that's going to stand out by being molded by God. Paul uses this illustration earlier in Romans where he says that God is the potter and we are the clay. And he molds us and he shapes us into what he wants us to be. One of the ways that he molds us is through the way that we think about things. And this verse in Romans 12, it makes us ask the question, do our lives look like everyone else's? Do we look like the world around us? If we were to put our lives up here on stage, and then we put a whole bunch of other people's lives up on stage, and they're all non-Christian, would our lives stand out? Would people be able to pick us out and say, they're different? Are we living according to the pattern of this world? Or do we stand out as something different because we are being transformed into the image of Christ. Jesus says in Luke 6, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People don't pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So our fruit, our actions, our speech, the decisions that we make, the way that we live our lives is going to be largely affected by what we store up in our hearts. And what we store up in our hearts is made up of the things that we spend time listening to and watching, and engaging in. So we need to ask the question, what are we allowing into our hearts? What are we paying attention to? What are we allowing ourselves to be influenced by? 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. If we are around the wrong people or around the wrong things, we are going to be corrupted. If we allow ourselves to be influenced by the same things as everyone else, then our lives are going to look just like theirs. We will conform to the pattern of this world. But instead of conforming, Paul says that we're supposed to be transformed by allowing ourselves and our minds to be focused by God on the things of God. That's why Paul says in Philippians 4.8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What we spend our time thinking about and listening to and watching and engaging in is going to fill up our hearts. And in turn, what fills up our hearts is going to come out in our speech and in our actions, in the way that we make decisions. In order for us not to conform to the world around us, but rather be transformed by God, we have got to turn down the influence of the world and turn up the influence of God in our lives. This is a big part of the ministry of Camp Northward. In a very real and practical way, Camp Northward provides a place, a special place, where campers can come and step away from the influences of the world so that they can focus on the Word of God. God's blessed us with a 90-acre campus just south of Falmouth, Kentucky. It's located just about four miles south, about two miles off of Route 27. It's a beautiful setting. It's peaceful. It's quiet. It's not only physically distance away from the, the noise and the hustle and bustle of town, but it's also physically apart, away from the influences of the world. Again, a place of peace, a place of quiet. Most campers, a typical camper, spends about a week with us during the summer, starting on Sunday, going through Friday. At a main session, they can enjoy all of the modern conveniences, but they also spend a lot of time outside in God's creation. Campers can enjoy over a mile and a half of hiking trails in the woods, paddle boats and canoes on our two-acre lake, team-building activities, uh, archery, zipline, campfire, basketball, nine square in the air, gaga ball, sometimes even some catch-and-release fishing. And that's just a taste of the things that campers can experience during the summer. There are several different camp, uh, camp sessions for them to choose from, depending on their ages, their likes and dislikes, and some other factors. We have our treehouse adventure sessions, and these campers can experience even more of God's creation throughout the week. Uh, it really is kind of a, a great balance between primitive camping and, and the kind of the luxury of our main sessions that are held at Cedar Lodge. Treehouse adventure campers, they stay in treehouses. They have bunk beds. They have mattresses that they can sleep on. Uh, but there's no electricity. There's no plumbing. 
uh, and they are able to cook their meals, all of their meals for the week, over the open fire. It is a special place to be. We have uh, some specialty sessions that people can choose from or campers can choose from. We have New Horizons, which is a totally off-campus session. We have Be Creative, which is designed for campers who are more interested in doodling than dribbling. And then we have our Parent and Me session, which is designed for elementary age kids and their parents to come and experience camp together. And then we also have two special needs sessions during the summer. We offer a variety of different kinds of sessions to appeal to different types of campers, but all of them are designed to help campers retreat away from the influences of the world so that they can experience the Word of God, so they can hear the Word of God more clearly in a way that you just cannot achieve in the normal routine of life. Engaging times of worship, biblical preaching and teaching, personal devotions, group discussions, relationship building, a campfire session at the end of the day. All of these things provide campers with the opportunity to deepen their relationship with Jesus Christ. The opportunity that we provide during the summer for campers from first grade through graduating seniors is an is a really important part of Christian development. I won't go so far as to say that it's essential, but it is really hard to to replicate the experience of Christian camping. It routinely changes lives. It inspires young people to give their lives over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It spurs them on to make a difference in this world and a difference for the kingdom of God whether that's through choosing vocational ministry, overseas missions, or simply being more purposeful purposeful about living their lives for God on a daily basis. One of the reasons why it's so hard to, to replicate what we do is because we are purposeful about being mentally and emotionally away from the influences of the world. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't use technology or have modern conveniences. We do. But we try really hard to make sure that the influences of the world stay out. That they don't come in and have, have a place. Campers are not on social media. They're not receiving news from the outside world. They're not watching TV shows and movies. They're not even listening to music that is not glorifying God, uplifting encouraging. Much of what we, and I mean we as in youth and adults alike, what we listen to and what we watch these days is from the world. And it's contrary to the things of God. It's contrary to the teachings of Jesus. Sometimes it's overt and obvious, but much of it is presented these days in a way that kind of helps it to sneak past our filter. It's our desire. The parents can come, the campers can come, and that they can retreat from the influences of the world so that they can focus on and they can hear the Word of God more clearly. Doug mentioned a couple of months ago 
a staggering piece of research. This statistic that I'm about to share with you again has made a significant impact on my heart and my mind. And, and I've, I've seen the effects of it or been more you know, aware of the effects of it over the last several months. Doug said that, that among those who are in Generation Z, only 4% have a biblical worldview. Thinking about this and, and, and considering it and looking around the world, it, it, has, it has given me more passion about the ministry of Camp Northward. Only 4% have a biblical worldview. So according to the, the Pendleton County Schools website, where my children attend school, the district has about 2,500 students. And according to this statistic, that means that only 100 students out of that 2,500 student body have a biblical worldview. Just 100 of them. The vast majority of youth today are looking to social media, to friends or, or to culture, to answer their questions about life, about themselves, about the world around them. But this isn't just an issue for youth, it's an issue for all of us. What about you? Where do you look to answer these questions? I mean, in one way or another, all of us are, are asking questions like, where did we come from? What is it about me that makes me important? How do I explain to someone what is wrong with the world today? And how can I figure out what's going to make this world a better place? What is the point in life? What does right and wrong really mean? Do you look to the Bible? Or do you look to other sources of information to answer these questions? Only four out of every 100 youth today use the Bible to help them answer these questions. The other 96, however, look to the influences of the world. Again, influences that are in direct opposition to the Word of God. As of 2018, according to the CDC, kids 8 to 18 spend an average of 7.5 hours a day in front of a screen for entertainment purposes. 7.5 hours a day. It's about 52 hours a week. Think about that for just a minute. Now, to be fair, let's consider the other side. Let's, let's consider how much time our kids or our grandkids spend with biblical, God-honoring content. So they come to, to church Sunday morning, they go to Sunday school, they go to, uh, come to worship, uh, and then in the evening they come back for, uh, uh, for youth group as well. And then on top of that, uh, we're going to say they spend about 30 minutes every day throughout the week reading their Bibles. And then just for good measure, let's say on average every day you're spending 30 minutes together as a family talking about simply generally God-honoring things and having some influence in their lives. Now, if my math is correct, and I think it is, that's about 10 and a half, 10 and a half hours a week of that biblical God-honoring content, which really honestly sounds pretty good at first. I mean, 10 and a half hours a week, that's pretty good. Until you consider 52 hours a week 
that they spend in front of the screen for entertainment purposes. And, and this doesn't even have any, any content uh, or addition of the, of the extracurricular activities, their friends, and, and other things that they do. Now, I know that we're talking in very general terms. You might think that my statistics are a little bit sketchy, and, and that's okay. In fact, did you know that only 12% of statistics, they're just made up on the spot? You, <laughs> I tell you, I've been practicing that all week long, and I was afraid no one was going to get that. <laughs> you see what I did there? I just made that up. It could have been anything. It could have been 42%, 50%, whatever it was. Whew, thank you for laughing. I appreciate that. <laughs> But seriously, make it personal for yourself. Do your own research. Have a conversation. Figure it up for yourself. How much time do you devote or is devoted in your life to the influences of the world versus the influences of God? Have a conversation with your kids or your grandkids. How much time do they spend with God-honoring content, biblical content versus worldly content? Would you argue the fact that kids today are inundated with messages and content that very often is in direct opposition to the Word of God? Would you argue that, or would you agree with me that that's true? And if you agree with me, what are we doing about it? At Camp Northward, we provide a place where youth and adults can come for a retreat away from the influences of the world and where they can focus on the Word of God. For at least a little time each summer, we want to turn this statistic on its head. We want campers to be enveloped by the Word of God and have very, very little influence from the world. We want to be a place of peace and protection away from the enemy. Whether you realize it or not, whether you want to believe it or not, we are in a spiritual battle, and we have a very real enemy. The Bible is very clear about this. And it really is not surprising when you think about it. Everyone wants everyone else to be like them. Don't we? But we want people to agree that our sports team is the best. Right? We want people to agree that dogs are better than cats, or that cats are better than dogs, right? We want people to know and agree that Skyline is better than Gold Star, or that Skyline is better than Gold Star, <laughs> right? We want, we want people to know that. Here's the deal. As Christians, we want everyone to come to a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we want. We want them to be like us. In the world wants us to be like them. They do not want us to be followers of Jesus. Now you might say, well, Nathan, come on, not everybody's out to get us. Right? Some people have this live and let live philosophy, right? Wrong. It's just not true. Here's what Jesus says about it in Matthew 12. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. If those around you are not helping you to grow closer to Jesus, 
They're pulling you away. We really are in a spiritual battle. We really are battling for the souls of the people around us. If the enemy wins, people die. If, however, we win, people live. It really is a matter of life and death. That's not a a scare tactic. It's simply the truth. Jesus means life. Without him, we are left to our sin. We're left with our sin. And sin leads to death. We really are in a battle. In Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when when the day of evil comes, you may be able to take and stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Just as a warrior gets ready physically for battle by putting on armor, we also need to be ready spiritually to defend ourselves from the enemy. We're we're supposed to put on or surround ourselves with or be conformed by or transformed by truth and righteousness, peace, faith, salvation. If we're not transformed by these things, then we're going to conform to the pattern of this world. My wife Elizabeth and I, as Doug said, we have five, five boys. And when my boys were younger, they had these foam swords that they loved playing with. And of course, as a dad of five sons, I often had to defend myself against one or more of them uh, with their swords. And on one occasion, uh, Adam challenged me by himself. Now, in, to, as I begin this story in my defense, I did not have a sword at this point. I was defenseless against him. And so there I was, uh, defenseless, surrounded by one 10-year-old boy with a foam sword, right? What was I going to do? And, and I had to think I had to think quick. And this is one of those times where my mind was firing on all cylinders. I was at the top of my game. I was ready to go. It was classic. And so, like the Grinch, I thought quick. And I confidently said, would you like me to show you how to disarm your opponent? And I knew I had him right then because he stopped dead in his tracks, right? To a 10-year-old boy, This kind of important information was too much for him to resist, 
right? He had brothers and he had cousins, he had friends, he had all these imaginary enemies that he wanted to be able to disarm. And so I, I had him and I knew that I did. Sure, he said. And so I continued. Well, let me see your sword for just a moment. <laughs> without hesitation, he handed me his sword. And without hesitation, I hit my opponent. <laughs> and I said, ha, that is how you disarm your opponent. <laughs> yes, I tricked my son. It was fantastic. <laughs> and if you're a dad, you know what I mean. Those are not times that come often. And so I was very proud of myself. It was, it was a good day for me as a dad. Now, I'm sure that especially for you moms, you might think, no, he was too young for you to be taking advantage of him like that. I say he was probably old enough he should have known better <laughs> than to trust his dad in that situation. But be that as it may, I don't tell you that story to remind my son, Adam, who was in the sound booth, but I did have a fun time reminding him of it during this week. But I tell you this story because it's really a good illustration of what is happening to our culture today. It's happening to our next generation. Unfortunately, it's happening for, happening for many Christians today. Remember, we are in a spiritual battle, and God has not left us without defense against the enemy. He has given us, among other things, the Bible, his word, the sword of the Spirit. It's the best weapon that we have. And it's where we find all of the fullness of all of the other protections and defenses that God gives us. Where do we gain the best understanding of what faith is and what love is, what righteousness is, what peace is, what salvation is? We get it from the Bible. God's Word. Now, this is very powerful. It, this is really important for us to understand this, this morning. Our enemy is tricking many of us into handing over our most effective weapon. If you're taking notes, Satan has tricked us into giving up the sword of the Spirit. Satan is not able to defeat the Bible. And he knows it. When used by someone who is earnestly seeking God, the Bible is able to defeat any attack by the enemy. When wielded by a mature and trained Christian, with the power of the Holy Spirit, it can be a very, very important offensive weapon in the battle. But like my son, Adam, many of us have been tricked into giving up our weapon. We've been tricked into simply handing it over without any fight at all. Only 4% of Gen Z have a biblical worldview only 4% believe that the Bible can answer the important questions of life and explain the world around them. Once we're disarmed, it's not hard to defeat us. In, in fact, when we don't have a firm foundation in the Word of God, it's easy to defeat us. Even though the Bible cannot be refuted, even though many people have tried and failed, even though many people who have tried to disprove the Bible sometimes become Christians, 
we have been tricked into giving it up. If someone really did find the evidence that it was all a hoax, that it was all made up, do you really think we could keep it quiet? I'll be honest, I can sometimes delve into the dangerous world of conspiracy theories. But, but this kind of, like, if, if we could point to something that's, that proves without a doubt that the Bible is fake, even the government couldn't keep that a secret. <laughs> right? And yet somehow, we have been tricked into giving up our weapon. And here's how I think that they've, how, how our, our enemy has done it. He has convinced us to turn down the influence of God and the influence of the Bible in our lives and to turn up the influence of the, word, of the world. He has made us think, for one reason or another, that the Bible isn't valid anymore. It's not important. It's old-fashioned. It's out of date. Instead of looking at the world through the lens of the Bible, many today, youth and adults alike, are looking at the Bible through the lens of the world. James says, don't, don't merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. We are entering a time when people aren't only not, they're not only not doers of the Word, they're not even listeners of the Word anymore. The good news, however, in all of this, is that even though we've been tricked into giving it up, Satan can't keep it from us. He cannot keep the Bible from us. If we want it back, all we have to do is decide to pick it up again. Just like I had to hand Adam's foam sword back to him after I tricked him. Satan can't keep it from us. All we have to do is pick it up again. Listen, the Bible is the inspired Word of God. This really is God speaking into your life and into my life today. It really is reliable. It's authoritative. It is accurate. It is the truth. We have many good reasons to believe that it is what it claims to be. We have intellectual reasons to believe it. We have personal experience reasons to believe it. We have historical reasons to believe it. We have archaeological reasons to believe it. Whatever claim it is that people come up against the Bible with, the Bible always stands strong. It cannot be proved wrong. We have reasons to believe. If you want to talk with me more about it sometime, I would be happy to. You can talk to anyone here on staff. They'd be happy to talk with you. Doug has preached about this in the past. I'm sure that if you wanted to, to dig down deep into those reasons, he'd be more than happy to share with you more about that. One of the great things about Camp Northward is that we partner with local congregations like Plum Creek all over northern Kentucky, about seven different counties, I think. We provide a place where not only campers can come, but it's a place where church leadership can come with them. Ministers and other church leaders are encouraged to come and participate in our summer programming. 
In fact, we rely on over 100 different volunteers every single summer to come and help us with our ministry programming. And what that means is that we pull together an amazing amount of biblical knowledge and life experience to help campers deal with what they have to deal with today. To help them deal with some of those tough questions like, is the Bible really true? We are turning up the godly influence in the lives of our campers through our volunteers. And they work together to encourage and strengthen and equip our campers. Campers are able to build deep relationships with their own church leaders as well as other church leaders. And church leaders, again, they're invited to come and to invest in their, their campers, their, their own kids from their church, in a way that they couldn't normally. They get to spend a whole week with them and build those relationships. And not only that, but then they have an opportunity to influence and invest in the lives of youth from all over northern Kentucky. Camp Northward partners with the local church to provide youth with a firm foundation in the Word of God. It does not matter where they go in life. It is important for youth today to have a biblical foundation. According to the research that I shared, that that Doug shared before me, only 4% of youth today have a biblical worldview. For the sake of the kingdom of God here on this earth, we must change this. We must turn down the influences of the world and turn up the influences of God. We cannot allow the enemy to trick us into giving up the sword of the Spirit. So rich a source of God's influence. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What do the volume levels look like in your life? What are you listening to? What are you engaging in? What is influencing you? Again, for those taking notes, what, are, what is influencing you? And in turn, how are you influencing those around you? I vividly remember being at home as a kid. One of my cousins had come over, and we watched a movie together. And let's just say that, that this movie had questionable content. And I remember the conversation that I had with my mom afterwards when she found out what we'd watched. And she's a wise person. My mother always has been. But she said, Nathan, this house is supposed to be a safe place. What are the volume levels in your home? Which influence has more time devoted to? Which one is turned up more? Which one has more opportunity in your home? Is it God or is it the world? What about at your place of work or your, your, even for those of you in school, the place where you have influence in those places? When you deal with people on a day-to-day basis, do you stick out like a sore thumb or do you look like everybody else? Are you conforming to the pattern of this world or are you being transformed? 
by the renewing of your mind? Are you allowing God to transform you into the image of Christ? As Christians, as those who follow Christ, we are called to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We are supposed to be making an impact on this world and having a kingdom impact. I want to encourage you to be praying about this this week. Pray that God would show you what's influencing you the most. I encourage you to pray about what kind of an influence you are being on others, on those around you. Be praying this week about how God can use you in 2022 to make a kingdom impact. Pray specifically, God, in in 2022, how can I make a kingdom impact? I encourage you to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. And then, turn down the influence of the world and turn up the influence of God in your life so that he can lead you in his will for your life. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for speaking to us. Giving us the information that we need. Giving us a defense against the enemy who so desperately wants to take us down. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us. That you would allow us to be transformed into your image. Help us to be aware. Help us to be vigilant with what is going on around us in the world and what we are allowing our hearts to be filled up with. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us, that you would help us in this battle that we are in, not only for ourselves, but for those around us. That we, Lord, could, that we could help you in the battle and that you could use us. Thank you for giving us Jesus. Thank you for this time of year where we can focus on what he has done for us by coming to this world, by dying for us and giving us the hope that we have. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.